Okay. Oh, I didn't write. I'm supposed to do the intro now, aren't I? Oh, man. That's okay. We can wing it. And thank you for joining us again at Armchair Agents. I'm here with Agent Earn. And I'm here with Agent Skurd. And today, Earn is going to tell you about the disappearance of Caitlin Akins. Where is Caitlin Akins? <laughs> That's a very good question. This was a great pick. I really enjoyed reading about it. It was super strange. It was very strange. I really like researching missing persons cases, and I feel like you taught me that. I used to hate oh. the mystery. Like, I hated not knowing where they were. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I'm realizing that there's a lot more hope as opposed to murder cases where you're looking for a lot of justice. Mm, but it's yeah. kind of nice to think this might not have ended poorly, right? We don't actually know. Like, there's <laughs> possibilities. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice to have that fallback of like, well, maybe she's fine and just somewhere else. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm and there's not a lot of theories as to what happened. There's a lot of dead ends. You can't really follow a trail of clues with her. It's more like there's a pile of clues kind of strewn about, which is harder to put together for sure. But let's get into it, shall we? Yes, let's. So please tell me about Caitlin. Okay. Her mom described her as quirky unpredictable and emotional oh. she doesn't have any known mental illness that we're aware of as the general public but one of her best friends kevin eastridge said that she was fairly constantly fighting darkness within her hmm. and that he felt like it was his role in her life to show her the light and he's going to come up again later as somebody who she was in contact with the day that she disappeared so caitlin graduated high school at 16 she was obviously motivated to do that. She didn't really like fitting into the society's normal boxes, friendly and well-liked in school, but she just didn't want to keep going. So she told her mom, I'm going to graduate early. That's so and awesome. She took, yeah, she did <clears throat> summer courses and she just was very intelligent and very motivated to be able to finish so she didn't have to go to school anymore. Yeah, I heard her mom also say that school always came really easy to her. It was never any trouble. So when she told her, like, Mom, I want to graduate early, she was like, yeah, I'm confident you can do that. No problem. And mm -hmm. two years early, even. Two years very early. Very impressive. She had a very close relationship to her sister and her whole family, it seems, that they were in constant communication, which we'll touch on again later. Just to know her a little bit better, I think this is just a fun random fact. She remembered being in Head Start, which is a preschool program for low-income families, and she was so impacted that after graduating, she wanted to become a Head Start teacher. She remembered preschool? Yeah. It's so young. She wanted to give back to a system that she felt like she Aww. was helped by. That's and I think awesome. that shows a lot of maturity and compassion and a love for the vulnerable. But like most people who are young her what do I want to do when I grow up changed over time and she decided to go to cosmetology school and become a hairdresser I don't did you get a chance to look up pictures of her oh I did I actually made a note that she is one of those people who looks really different in every picture because she's like always yes. changing her look her hair is always different it's a different color she's just like super malleable I guess you could say like yes. even one of her missing persons flyers there's a picture of her like with her hair in a ponytail and then a picture mm -hmm. of her probably not long after. And she, like, I would not have known those were the same person. I agree. I thought she most often had a punk style, but 
But then she kind of like went into emo and there were pictures where she was makeup free and preppy and sporty. Yeah. I mean, it kind of looked like me in high school, to be honest. I did run right. the gamut, <laughs> especially from like preppy to emo, for sure. Uh-huh. You were there for uh, all of it. Thank you for tolerating me. I was there for me. all of it. Yes. Well, <laughs> that maybe is why I'm so drawn to this case. Uh-huh. Yeah. Caitlin's best friend's name was Amber Rios as an 11-year-old. And Amber moved with her family to Arizona from Spotsylvania County, where Caitlin grew up. And she maintained contact with Caitlin. And after Caitlin graduated, she moved to Arizona with Amber. Shortly after that, they became engaged. And this was kind of a big deal because of how close she was to her family. It seemed like the move across the country didn't come without a cost to Caitlin, which is so cool to me because you can tell how attached she was to her family. She really hated the distance, and she would contact them constantly throughout the day. And I hear this, and I'm such a non-communicator. I don't <laughs> Me really too. I can't it. picture it. No. I, really... I heard one little anecdote that she had called her sister one time when she was, like, making, I think it was, like, a pumpkin bread or something, and she poured it in the bowl and put it in the oven and just wanted to call her sister and tell her. And I was like, how are you holding your phone and, like, this bowl and you're scraping it out? Like, how is that the time to be like, hey, sis? want to know what I'm doing. Just want to tell you what I'm doing. Yeah, I am also (laughs) the same as you in that I just hardly remember to reach out and tell people what's going on. So Uh (laughs) my brother's kind of like that. He is really skilled at keeping in touch. Oh, Um, I admire that skill. He took all of that skill in the family. (laughs) (laughs) She wasn't just texting. She was also calling her mom who was a manager at a grocery store, said that in an eight-hour shift at work, she would expect Caitlin to call three times. Oh, my gosh. Oh, can you Which imagine? kind of went from feeling like she was really close to her family to being like, I'm not diagnosing anyone, but that sounds pretty codependent to me. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, a, that's like, a long time. It could be like yeah. straight needs or I... Man, I guess that some people are probably just that social. Yes. I don't quite get, again, I don't understand it. I think people really like talking to other people that they love. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was really funny, too. I heard the same thing. Her friend, Kevin, who she reached out to just as often, he said he felt like she wasn't connecting with community in Arizona. Like she didn't have any people besides Amber. And that he felt like that was part of the communication. Like she was really Mm. lonely. And so she was constantly reaching out. But we don't really know. That's all coming from, that's all coming secondhand. We don't know that firsthand from Caitlin. About a year after her big move across the country, her sister had a baby. And she was so excited to visit and meet her little nephew that she got there about two weeks after he was born, which is just a perfect time to visit a mom. Um, do you remember when you flew across the country to be with me because the David was going to be gone for military training? Yeah, of course. When I had a baby. Oh, yeah. I think of that. Every time I hear somebody say, I flew across the country because so-and-so had a baby. Skirt did that with me. I sure did. I got to hang out with your youngest daughter who was then only like a year and a half old, probably. She had a cold the entire time. Wipes yeah. all over everything, all over, all over her hair. Oh my God. It was, it was truly a joy. Yeah. 
and got to take pictures of like a two or three day old middle child. Yes. It was so cute. It was so great. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I thought about that too. And she's like, oh, she went to visit her sister right away. And I'm like, oh, it's a little baby. It's the best. <laughs> it is. She also, during her trip, she wanted to get her high school diploma. And she felt like she was killing two birds with one stone because her cosmetology school was starting December 7th and her trip was December 1st through December 5th. Oh, perfect. So she kept telling, yeah. She kept telling everyone not to let her forget her diploma because she needed to start cosmetology school. So oh, she, she had to have the physical everybody. thing to be like, yes, like flash it like an FBI badge. I got no, it. I've yeah. never needed my diploma for <laughs> the anything. physical thing? No, I don't even know where mine is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. um, so this seems like a good time to start the timeline of what went wrong, unless you have anything else to add to victimology of who Caitlin is. Oh, what did I write? I wrote that she looks very much like all of her family who are all super cute with strawberry blonde hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved all of their red hair. It was yeah very adorable. I'm super jealous. I wish I had red hair naturally. <laughs> On December 4th, so this is one day before she was supposed to leave, she ended up staying the night at a friend's house because the night kind of got away from them and she didn't have a designated driver. The next morning, they drove back to her mom's house where she met with her mom, sister, and her new nephew. Her family said she didn't seem like anything was out of the ordinary with her behavior or attitude at all, that she seemed completely normal. Because her mom was working that day and she needed to get to the airport, Caitlin reached out to her ex-stepdad and asked him if he could bring her to the airport. His name is James Branton, and he really was a father figure to Caitlin, even though things with her mom didn't work out. She hadn't seen her biological father since she was about three, and James came into her life. Some things said six years old, and some things said nine years old. (laughs) I saw seven, so somewhere in that window. Six to nine. I found a handwritten note from her mom that said nine. Oh, let's trust that source. That sounds good. But then I was like, did they get married when she was nine? Um, And he was there before that? I don't know. But he seemed like he didn't mind filling the role of father even after the divorce. Lisa Sullivan, Caitlin's mom, even reached out to him after their divorce and would ask to help pay bills, get Caitlin school supplies, and he seemed like he pulled through for them all the time. Yeah, it seems like a like a pretty amicable split up or like almost they mm-hmm. had a better relationship once they were not living together. I did see... I heard Lisa, I think this was on the Vanish podcast, one of the couple that I listened to for this. She had said that it was actually much calmer once they didn't live mm-hmm. together and it worked out a lot better. So it does sound yes. definitely like what you said, that he kind of remained in their lives, her and her sisters, after her parents or he and her mom divorced. Mm-hmm. Her flight was supposed to leave at 5.40 p.m. that day. Between 8.30 and 9 a.m., Lisa and Caitlin headed to James's house. The last thing Lisa saw of her daughter was her standing with James in his house next to his couch. And she was telling him about her plans to attend cosmetology school and that she needed her diploma and how she almost forgot it, even though she told everyone about oh, it. I'm glad she got it. <laughs> that diploma. Close. Close. <laughs> Caitlin and James only had a little bit of time before heading on their 60-mile journey to Reagan Airport because James had to work that day at 3 o'clock. So he had to drive 60 miles, drop her off, and then drive back 50 miles to his work. And because of all this, she was going to be getting to the airport about three to four hours sooner than she actually needed to. But she said she didn't mind, and I totally get that. Of all the places, I've totally done that. Yeah. (laughs) Who hasn't had to sit around the airport? 
for an obscene amount of time. Now I'm really picturing visiting you and the children because I'm picturing the time that you drove me to the, wanted to drive me to the airport in a blizzard. Yes. And I refused to let you and ordered a cab and then yes, took, the cab. A, took a taxi in a blizzard to the Denver <laughs> airport, home of very many interesting conspiracy theories. So yes. I, if I had extra time and when I did at the Denver airport, I wandered around and looked for the weird stuff. So that was a kind of fun <laughs> one to be stuck in. <laughs> so when Caitlin was dropped off at the airport, if she was dropped off at the airport is where things kind of started to break down and they went very, very wrong. Very quickly too. It's so normal up until you're like, wait, is she actually at the airport? It really was. So no one heard from either of them, James or Caitlin, until 1.52 p.m. when James texted Lisa, that's Caitlin's mom, and said he had just dropped Caitlin off at the airport. Lisa said, good, how was traffic? And James said it was fine. It just was a very normal exchange. Then minutes later, Caitlin texted Lisa and said, I'm at the airport, but my phone is dying, so I won't be able to talk. Which seems like exactly how it would happen if things were going normally. I felt like it was weird that a teenager's phone would die. <laughs> oh, yeah, since she's always on her phone. I assumed she's because she was always phone. on her phone, that's why it died. That's true. But I've had teenagers, one of like one girl in particular who was always on her phone, and she wouldn't let it die. Like It never died. We were, it never <laughs> died. We were bringing her to the airport, and she had it planned out. Like, well, when I'm in the car, I'll have it plugged in. And then when we get to the airport, I'm going to go through security, and then I'm going to find a spot. And if you get me a battery pack charger, that would be great, too, because what oh. if there isn't a seat where I could have, like, it was just all planned. That sounds like really good planning or moderately bad anxiety. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> Maybe possibly both. Her <laughs> mom thought it was strange, just, I think, because Caitlin was constantly in communication with her to just get one text message. Yeah. That was kind of saying, like, I won't be texting or I won't mm -hmm. be calling. So her mom told her, like, well, call me before you get on the flight. Um, and that was kind of that until Caitlin sent a text message to Amber, her fiance, that said, something is wrong with my flight. I'm not getting on, so I'm waiting for another one. And she mm. felt like that was weird. So the two people who had received text messages from Caitlin kind of started talking to see like, this is strange. This isn't normal Caitlin behavior. Yeah, it's really telling that Amber immediately reached out to Lisa and was like, yeah. uh, this seems weird to me. And it made Lisa kind of freak out because Caitlin had told her, oh, my phone's dying. And she didn't mention right. anything about a missed flight. And Lisa also knew she didn't have any money for another flight and that Lisa would be responsible for picking her up if she wasn't getting on the plane. Oh, yeah. Another good point. <laughs> Lisa's spidey senses were kind of going off like crazy. She knew something was really, really wrong when they were getting conflicting text messages. This actually reminds me of our first episode with Bryce, where he was texting yes. his mom at exactly the right time of if he had to go home for an hour and a mm -hmm. half, you know, or like he really set up the messages to make it seem believable. Right. Everything's normal. Don't worry. Nothing to see mm -hmm. here. Oh, I'm home. <laughs> Narrator. He was nowhere close to home. <laughs> <laughs> so lisa was texting and calling like crazy and caitlin never picked up and the rest of her family started bombarding her too trying to contact her and not a single person was successful this was all while lisa was still at work on lisa's drive home from work she called james to see exactly where he dropped her off or if she was acting strange or knew anything about the missing flight before she got dropped off and this is when he tells lisa that he never actually dropped her off at the airport like he said 
He dropped hmm. her off at Springfield Mall. He said that because she had such a long stretch of time before her flight took off, she told him to drop her off at this mall, which was only a few miles away and two metro stops away. So he said, well, I gave her $20 to cover the metro charges and sent her on her way. That's where she wanted to be dropped off. Now, two things really came to mind for me at this point when I learned of these things. Because one, would you not say that when you the text first her? time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why would you? And it just seems very strange to not be like, oh, hey, it's so early. I dropped her off at the mall instead. Like they had an amicable relationship. It didn't seem like he'd have any reason to just be like, just tell her she's at the airport. You know, she she's going to freak mm -hmm. out otherwise. I feel like he could have just said she was at the mall and was going to take the Metro. And what else I thought was really strange was that several members of her family insisted that she would never be able to figure out the Metro <laughs> or know that there was a Metro. Which and I loved. Of that. course she could. <sighs> she was a teenager with a cell phone. She right, could absolutely figure out the Metro. That made me so mad each time a different family member said it. Like, I was stranded, not stranded, I was staying with my another best friend of mine in Philadelphia, but I had no debit card because it had gotten stolen. I had no idea where I was, and I, like, had to go to the bank and get shit notarized and blah, blah, blah. And all I did was go to Google Maps, type in where I needed to go. It would tell me what bus to get on, what corner to walk to, when to get off the Metro, it was so simple. Like, uh, she absolutely could have figured it out. <laughs> she could have figured it out. Yeah, that caught my attention, too. Her mom kept saying, too, she didn't know where that mall was. We'd never been there before. She had no idea that mall existed. She has a cell phone. And I was, yeah, I was like, Google knows <laughs> that mall exists, So Yeah. So. Maybe she thought, oh, I do not want to sit at the airport for three hours. I wonder if there's a mall around there. Right. And she's brave enough to move across the country and then fly home alone. She could find a mall and take the metro. She follow. Yeah. She isn't, <laughs> she isn't scared of that kind of like, mm -hmm. quote unquote, adventurous things. Yeah. She's fully capable and confident in that. But I think maybe her family's getting caught up on a detail. <laughs> and of course they should. Like, right. They have every right to. They have every right to get caught up on a detail. Her family continued to just kind of bombard her phone. And at 7.15 that night, she texted her mom in two separate messages that said, I'm with a friend. And then the next message said, I need time to be alone. And they immediately thought the message wasn't from her, even though it came from her phone. And their reasoning was that she never sent multiple messages one after the other. Yeah, I, they. this was another point that was really hammered. It was really, really hammered. Several people said that this was absolutely not her texting style to the degree that many people who weren't talking necessarily to each other were getting messages and they themselves independently were like, this doesn't sound like her. Yeah. And all people that knew her really well. Everybody has kind of a cadence of how they oh, text. Yeah. Absolutely. I would totally, I, I do, and I have called people out on texting weird, like Dr. Scientist, my boyfriend, one time texted me three times in a row with like really short messages and he would write like, great job, skirt. Way to go, skirt. Oh, awesome work, <laughs> skirt. And I wrote back, is this a bot? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Who talks like this? So if I got messages that were out of character, I'd like to think I would notice. Yeah, they knew her really well. <laughs> and she texted them all the time. Yeah, because for sure. she texted them all the time. I do feel like it would be like a grammar Nazi sending the wrong form of there. If you felt like something might be wrong and then your friend who always puts a period at the end of a sentence mm -hmm. doesn't or always starts with a capital letter and then doesn't. Oh, for sure. If I started writing like you and you are for you and your, that's not <laughs> me. That's not me. Fine. I've been kidnapped. Call please the police. Come. Yeah. <laughs> 
They were already thinking that someone else had sent these messages when Amber, Caitlin's fiance, got a message via Facebook that said, I can't come back. I cheated on you. Hmm. And at this point, everyone had kind of already started a powwow of something's wrong with Caitlin. Where is Caitlin when this kind of started? Everyone was shocked because of how normal she was acting earlier that day. The people she was closest to, they said that they didn't notice any sadness or anything. Caitlin's family at this point was in panic mode. They were asking Amber, you know, how is everything in your relationship? Were you guys having any fights? How is it in Arizona? What is it like? And Amber literally couldn't think of anything to say that was negative about their relationship at that point. So Lisa asked James if Caitlin was meeting a friend at the mall, which he said she never mentioned anything like that. He had no idea. They called the police who said, listen, if someone wants to take a break, that's not a crime. They didn't have any evidence. Here we go again. (laughs) People are allowed to go missing. Like, we know. I want to know how many of these people really go missing. Maybe that's what we're doing here. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have any evidence that she was missing and wasn't just needing some space, like her text message said. And she was 19 years old. So I guess I kind of get it from the police's point of view at this point. Their only communication from her was saying, I want space. I'm with a different friend. And they can't really like go barging down doors. Yeah, that's Because true. somebody's hanging out with a friend. I begrudgingly agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very out of character for the person who called her mom three times a day to suddenly fall off the face of the earth. Right. Yeah, the silence was deafening to her family. Lisa went to Spotsylvania County Police Department December 7th. This is two days after the missed flight to file a missing persons report. And authorities were kind of giving her a hard time continuing to say, you know, she's a teenager still. She just wants her space. But as Lisa was filling out the paperwork, she was pulled into a different room by authorities and told that Caitlin's luggage had been found in a drainage ditch on the 6600 block of River Road outside Fredericksburg, Virginia which was 50 miles away from the airport and only a few miles from James Branton's home. It left a clue that she likely didn't make it 10 miles past James's house when he had said that he dropped her off at the mall. The blue suitcase had a broken wheel, and because of the condition, the authorities thought it was thrown from a moving vehicle. Some things were found in the suitcase that Caitlin was needing and would be taking back to Arizona, her ID, her phone charger, glasses, which she's pictured wearing most of the time, her debit and credit cards but not her clothes or the diploma she kept talking about. What a random assortment of items to be missing. Her glasses are in there. Her glasses. Her diploma is not. But her diploma isn't. Hmm. So authorities finally started taking this case seriously. Statements were taken from every family member, including James, who was the last known person to see her. They also gathered video surveillance from all the places she might have been. JCPenney, the whole mall, the metro, the airport. But while they were trying to get all that information together, a body was found a few miles from the suitcase. Just from preliminarily checking the body, authorities were convinced it was Caitlin. It was a young female with blonde hair and tattoos, which was how her family had described her to authorities. So everyone was kind of waiting for news, hoping and not hoping to have some answers. This totally happened in the Bryce case as well. I know. Oh, man. I didn't even realize that until right now. And I'm like, wait, they found it. I forgot they found another body here, too. Oh, sorry. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Her family didn't sleep while they were waiting. And when the news finally came back from that autopsy, it wasn't Caitlin, but a 20-year-old girl named Heather Saccone. 
it introduced a theory to the sleepy Virginia community that there was a serial killer in their midst. Two blonde girls about the same age, missing or found dead. They had similar styles. It definitely wasn't a good look for their little town that felt really safe. Authorities had to rule out the connection between the cases. They didn't find that the girls knew each other or even crossed paths. They didn't seem like they had ever went to the same gym or lived near each other or used the same phone apps. Hmm. There still hasn't been a connection. There has been a conviction in the Heather Saccone case, and it's believed that it was a jealous love triangle gone bad, Oh, which makes them think Caitlin's case has nothing to do with her death. And makes me think, good gracious, what was in the water that weekend in that town? Yeah, that's a bad two days. That's a bad two days. (laughs) How is that just randomly happening? Law of probabilities. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they went back to square one and went to where her suitcase was found and looked for the missing belongings and clothes and diploma. They were looking for some answers as to why she would leave things like her phone charger or why a criminal would leave things but take her clothes and diploma and not other things. Yeah, wouldn't a criminal take her ID and like all, her plane ticket and everything else that was used to identify her luggage so easily? That's what I was thinking. Or if they were wanting a trophy of some kind, that was a lot of things to take. All of her clothes. All of her clothes. And her diploma. Right. They searched a nearby lake and the area around it and also did a 30-mile heat sensor helicopter search, which seems a little bit too late, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Several days later. A couple of days have gone by. But they were obviously just trying to do their best attempt to find something. No clothing or diplomas were found at all. But they did say that it seemed pretty obvious that somebody wanted the suitcase to be found because of how it was dumped. It could have gone another you know, it could have gone another hundred yards into the field or into the woods and nobody would have found it, but it was just haphazardly dumped on the side of the road. Yeah. It really looked like it was thrown from a car or had suffered Mm -hmm. some kind of other, it was really beat up. It was really beat up. Their next step was to try and go backwards in the timeline and put pieces together as to who Caitlin had spent time with before her disappearance. And it led them to her high school friend she had spent the night with. And there was kind of a tangled web of events. I loved listening to the people on Disappeared explain this very tactfully and look forward to yours as well. Did they? Okay. Well, here we go. <laughs> Caitlin's text to her fiance about cheating on her had actually been true, or at least probable. Authorities questioned the friends and found that she had stayed the night and that the couple and Caitlin had ended up drinking too much and one thing led to another with the three of them, if you know what I mean. And the couple was questioned and said that they all woke up the next morning regretting their decisions made the night before. They even went on a walk and had a few really uncomfortable and awkward conversations about regret before bringing Caitlin home. That's a very mature way to handle it. Yes, that's what I thought. (laughs) After Caitlin got home, she reached out to another high school friend, Kevin Eastridge, who we talked about earlier. And she was trying to process some of it. And in that text discussion, she implied that they had actually forced themselves on her but that she had felt like it was cheating on her fiance. It is confirmed that she said things in a text to Kevin like, I don't know how to feel or anything. I've been depressed and crying all day. And also, I don't want to be here and I don't want to be there. This was all before the disappearance. And the thing that starts to get complicated was that Caitlin and these three, the couple who were involved and the friends she reached out to, were the only ones who knew about the night before. And after she disappeared, someone texted from her phone mentioning the cheating or her perceived cheating. If it was actually rape, she could still feel the guilt of cheating. So I don't want to like victim blame and say that it was cheating if she was actually 
forced into something that she didn't want. Right. But nothing is actually confirmed. It's just really, really complicated. Yeah. Is that really too coincidental that it was brought up again? Yeah, unless if it was someone she, else sending that text if it message, was some random person, unless they broke into her phone and saw her text messages to Kevin saying, I mean, that would be a lot of research for a criminal. Like, hang on, let me go through your text history. All just your to make text sure history. I'm caught up. Yeah, right. <laughs> her mom and sister who were with her all morning didn't notice the crying that she mentioned to Kevin and the strange behavior that she herself mentioned in the text to a friend before she disappeared. It seems like she was hiding and was good at hiding information from her family who was convinced that she wouldn't do that or that she wouldn't be capable of that. But she definitely did hide that. You know, she was hiding those emotions. Yeah, that's. I mean, to me, that seems completely plausible. I'm a, I'm a plus at hiding my emotions. Or I right. used to be when I was a teenager, for sure. <laughs> These days, I cry at the drop of a hat or any Shit's Creek episode, but... <laughs> <laughs> With all these bits of evidence piling up, the message to Amber that turned out to be true with very few people knowing made authorities go back to their original theory, which was that Caitlin was missing on purpose and that no foul play was involved. Hmm. Authorities were so convinced that she went missing on purpose that they sent out undercover agents to all the places in Virginia that they thought she might go. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting. They really, they spread out and were like, you know, why don't we just watch for a sec? See if she shows up. They put people undercover for two weeks. Wow. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Me either. They staked hmm. out multiple friends' homes, restaurants, other places where she's been known to go. And then by this point, I mean, a couple weeks have gone past and they finally got their hands on surveillance and phone records. And all of their theories were, again, again, thrown out the window. Oh, man. When Caitlin sent her text message to her mom from the quote unquote airport, investigators suspected she was actually at the mall, but were surprised to find that her phone never le left Fredericksburg either, which is where James Branton worked. And that's where her suitcase was found on the side of the road. Hmm. I did have to look at the map for this a lot because it's like three states. Well, D.C. and Virginia yeah. and Maryland all right next to each other. And I was trying to picture how you would get from one to another. Mm -hmm. where they all work. So it was very close, which I, I wrote down did come in, did kind of create some problems later with different like counties and whatnot. But we'll get to that. Never fun to try and cooperate with counties and states. Uh -uh. They also got footage from JCPenney and there was no sign of Caitlin or James or their vehicle. And there was no evidence of her at the metro or at the airport. James was at this point a willing participant in the investigation and he wasn't really putting off any red flags until basically this time. Well, other than lying to his ex-wife about where he dropped yeah. his former stepdaughter. Other than some other things we'll find out about what he was actually doing that day. Right. But mm. at this point, we didn't know that. <laughs> he agreed to a polygraph test on December 29th until his attorney advised him against it. And at this point, he kind of turned on the authorities. He told them, I know that I'm being looked into as a suspect and I don't like it. And the police were like, you aren't a suspect, though. <laughs> like, oh, we never no. said that. Mm, no, not at all. No. Nope. Um, mm -mm. <laughs> so authorities were trying to explain to him, you know, you were the last person to see Caitlin. It's just standard to give people in that position a polygraph. And his response was to stop being cooperative. And he has never gone back to cooperating at all. Because of just the odd behavior and lies, they did get a search warrant for his home and car and surrounding property. It seems like his house was surrounded by a swamp. Did you look at his property at all? 
Oh, no, I didn't. I did read, though, that that search warrant was conducted on New Year's Eve. Ah. So almost a month later, they were like, you yeah. know, let's see. And it was pretty swampy. Like he has interesting. It's like a 10 acre property. He has a pretty oh, wow. big place. They took his bedding, towels, electronics, carpet samples, and nothing was found in all of this. They were hoping to at least get one clue. And when they didn't find that, they thought maybe he was just helping her get away. Like she told him that she wanted to disappear and that he helped her disappear. What I heard mentioned too that I didn't think about was that they, they you said, you know, you said they didn't find any evidence of her in his home or anywhere, but she was in his home earlier. She was, yeah. I'm guessing they were looking for like blood or something else. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that I had, that it was framed as like, we didn't find any DNA of hers there. Oh. actually and she was there and oh. i was like oh wait a minute yeah you're right so that made me that think like weird. was it maybe was something cleaned up? yeah but again you, you could be totally right and they're not looking for like skin cells or a, a mm -hmm. stray hair that would fall while you're standing and talking in the living room uh-huh i would assume they're all just looking for blood or something more sinister more sinister mm -hmm. they checked his phone records to see if he was talking to someone else, was there a new number? But it just led to a startling discovery that the day Caitlin went missing, it seemed like he never went to work like he said he did. He had said that he had to work at three o'clock. They found out after that day, he never went back to work. He just stopped never. working altogether mm -hmm. until six months later, he got a new job at a different company. Something also to note was that he was finding or he was hiding some things on his phone. Apparently, he was tech savvy and put encryptions on his phone that the police weren't able to get past, which they literally brought in expert after expert and no one could open his phone. Right. Yeah, it went through. And I think I mean, I heard Lisa talking about their phones on it was either the disappeared episode or the vanished pod where I heard her speaking. And it's kind of sounded like he had two phones. Like he mm. had a smartphone and also she had said that he had a, remember those slide out keyboard phones? Yes. I know you had one. I heard this conversation that she had too. It was so cute. Yeah. It sounded like they had those phones and he had like installed an alternate operating system on that one. So I don't know if he had two of them at the time, like two phones. I kind of got the impression that he did and they were both heavily encrypted. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> How can somebody encrypt something? You'll have to fill me in. I mean, like where I work, all of our tablets and phones are encrypted where you need to enter a password to even boot up the device because there's HIPAA protected ah. data on it. So it could just be a password. That's what. Kind of. Yeah. Or they were like different um, encrypted apps that he was using, but it sounded like he completely wiped the whole operating system of the phone. They were Android phones and installed a different operating system that could be a lot more heavily encrypted and he had a lot more control over. Wow. Yeah, definitely knew what he was doing with the phones. The police thought that it was strange that he didn't ask for anything back from when they searched his house and took things. I didn't think that was that strange because I had a friend who had some things taken in an investigation and they never got it back until they asked, but they didn't know that was policy. Like they, it was like seven years later, they were like, <laughs> I want my laptop back. And the police like, were like, oh, okay. oh, thanks for asking. And yeah. Maybe would you assume that you had to ask or like, pound I would assume that they would give it back to me when they were done. Mm, 
Yeah, I don't know. The only thing that I had read was that he, the only thing he actually did ask to have back was just the hard drive off of one of his computers that they had taken. Hmm. So, like, make that really obvious. They're like, oh, maybe we'll work on this hard that drive one. first. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I also thought it was so weird, the detail about him never going back to work. Never. That was really strange. Yeah, it makes it seem like work was involved somehow. Not that his job killed his former stepdaughter, but like right. he, something took place there. Somebody at work knew. Yeah, something along those lines. I mean. Or he got enough money that he didn't have to go back to work for six months. Oh, I didn't think about something. that. Did they, would they have found out and suspected him of something? Like, it's not a shameful thing to have your former stepdaughter go missing. And he didn't go back before she went missing. Or, like, before she was officially... Remember, her mom didn't file a missing persons report for two days. Oh, I didn't even think about that. So that two days in the middle, he never went either. That's super weird. It's all very strange. Some of Caitlin's friends did say that James... Okay, so... We're kind of hitting, we're running into theories now. We're switching gears here. All right, time for theories. <laughs> Some of Caitlin's friends did say that James Branton had been verbally abusive and that they didn't think the relationship was all sunshine and roses. We don't have a lot of information, but one of the interviews that her mom was talking in said something like, well, after the divorce, he stopped hating us around. Or I forgot what she said. He stopped knocking us around, um, kind of implying physical abuse. That's all speculative. That's not hmm. a lot to go on because it was just a random interview that I heard her say randomly. Like she wasn't even giving a lot of credit to that statement. Yeah, I only heard, heard from her friend Kevin that it sounded like there was definitely some verbal abuse. Like he was a really angry dude. Mm-hmm. Every source that I read said they never knew of any physical abuse. Does that mean there isn't any? Absolutely not. Right. One thing seems to be true is that Caitlin's phone pinged by her luggage when it sent a message Hmm. to her mom saying she made it to the airport and it fairly quickly before that, I think it was seven minutes before that, James' phone sent a similar message from his house. So he probably couldn't have done both. Did he live only seven minutes from her luggage? Uh, I think it was like 10 miles. But then it also, the luggage was thrown out of a passenger side of a vehicle. So it would have required more than oh. one person to throw it from the vehicle um, hmm. and land in the place that it was found. Yeah, it would be pretty hard to send a text message from your own phone, jump into your car, speed to get seven miles in 10 minutes, and then turn around and huck a luggage out of the other side of your car. It would. Or pull over and slam the luggage on the ground to damage it and then drive away with no one seeing you. Yeah. So weird. James could have helped her disappear her own actions and words to friends earlier that day indicated that she wasn't happy and that she didn't want to go home or be at her mother's house. It seems like there was a lot of hidden darkness. Those are her best friend's word, hidden darkness. Um, We don't have access to her apps or anything else that she was doing on her phone. I do think it's highly likely that she was in relationships that she wasn't telling people about, not even necessarily romantic, but just anything online especially if she was able to turn off all those emotions that she was sharing with her friend Kevin and not let her family see that she was upset at all. To me, that kind of points hmm. to some hiding. Yeah, and Hiding leads to more hiding, and it can kind of become a snowball effect of trying not to disappoint and keep up the facade. That's true. Just snooping on social media, this seems like what her fiancé Amber suspected. 
she even made references in a post on social media to going down there to get you, like talking to Caitlin on a public Facebook post. And she said, going down there to get you, like she had a place in mind that she thought Caitlin went to because unless she isn't great at geography, Arizona is very far south compared to Virginia. So that statement of go, okay, I'm I'm just going to read it. (laughs) Yes, please. December 29th. Amber Rios said, every time I get a notification on my phone, I pray it's from Caitlin, but every time it isn't from her. Sad face. That's in the post. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just (laughs) waiting for the day when it is from her heart. I didn't know there was pain like this, and I would never, ever in a million years wish this pain on anyone else. Broken heart. I miss you so extremely much, Caitlin. Please, I just want you home safe. Please just find a way to talk to me. If you want me to, I will fly down there and bring you home with me, Heart. I love you so incredibly much, Heart. Anything you want, I will find a way to get it for you. I just want to hear your voice and talk to you, baby bug. Hmm. So to me, that sounds like she thought Caitlin had an ability to come home. Yeah, it really does. And like, I'll get you whatever you want. Just come home. Please talk to me. I know you're mad or upset or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's really uh, interesting. Also, I love that you creeped on her on social media. There's a lot more posts, but that one was the <laughs> that one was like the most. I mean, it pointed to something. It pointed to what she thought Caitlin did, which yeah, was definitely went willingly. At least shows her opinion at the time. Perhaps it is at changed. the time. That's true. December 29th of mm-hmm. 2015. That's what she okay. thought. Another theory is the couple that she spent the night with, December 4th, definitely had a motive to make her disappear if she was making rape allegations against them. But their access to her was very limited as she was with her uninvolved in the situation stepfather and they would have had to have some form of communication with him to pick up Caitlin or yeah that's true she never made it to the mall how did she end up with those people because we know that she got to at least James's house yes her mom can confirm that she was dropped off at James's house hmm. so i don't know how would they find her how would they have access to her we don't really know that they, they do seem pretty open about what happened. They are willing to talk to authorities. The confusing part that I found in their story, this couple who she had spent the night with the night before, they talk about him going to work and coming home early to go on a walk with Caitlin to hash out some of the details of what had happened mm-hmm. and said that there was a couple of conversations about regret. She made it home between 8.30 and 9 o'clock that morning to spend time with her sister and mom and nephew. That's really early in the morning for such a rough night to have just happened and to also <laughs> right. gone to work and then come home. Like, where was he working that he that all of this could happen before 9 a.m.? Oh, dude, so he went to work that morning, too? Yeah. He went to work hmm. that morning and then came home because he was so upset about what had happened. And he wanted to talk to Caitlin about regret. Weird. And they went on a walk and, like, just a lot to fit into a very small time frame. Yeah, that is strange. I don't ever want to go for a walk before 8.30 in the morning. (laughs) And I love walks. That's just really a lot fit into that more. Like her day was very full before she went and Yeah, late night, early morning. I guess she wanted to make the most of her time at home. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Her sister thinks that there was an unknown digital predator, that she had apps on her phone, that she was talking to someone, and that they intentionally met up, that Caitlin intentionally met up with someone, and then that she fell into harm. 
I mean, you said earlier that there were not a lot of theories, and I, I silently raised my eyebrow. I don't know if you saw it, because you've already covered a couple, and I have a couple, too. And I'm like, I, there could be a lot of, there's a <laughs> there lot, are of, a lot of theories, because yeah, there's not a lot of answers. Open -ended exactly. Yeah, they're all yeah. super like, it's possible, but we only have one clue going uh -huh. in that direction. Yeah, it's just us throwing rocks in different directions based That's off of right. one fact. <laughs> That's right. Her okay. I might. I still have a bunch of theories, so I guess this goes See? on forever. <laughs> I feel like her case doesn't scream human trafficking trafficking to me, but it does have some hints of it. Even with her stepdad's possible minor involvement or involvement or whatever that situation is, she was fairly like reaching out for emotional support, which is really easy to manipulate into a bad situation. She could have been trafficked thinking that it was her idea and mm. she could still be being trafficked thinking that it was her bad decisions that got her into that situation. A lot of women who are trafficked and have gotten out of it say that they literally didn't know they could leave. They had threats to family or personal shame or fear of survival that kept them stuck in abusive human trafficking. And also, I think parental involvement is a lot more common in human trafficking than we realize. I think we all think of human trafficking as like, oh, a little girl was walking through Walmart and then somebody grabbed her and took her to Mexico. Mm -hmm. And a much, much, much more common situation in America is that single mom can't pay her rent. And so she gives her daughter to the landlord for a couple what? hours. What? Like that's super common. Oh. And so it does kind of like having worked with women who have had that happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. My mom wanted a phone and the neighbor said he would give her one if he could have me for a Ugh. couple hours. It's weird that her stepdad didn't go back to work for six months. Like what allowed him to stop working for six months? That's oh, really I see what you mean. I was like, what do you mean her mother would never traffic her? No. <laughs> yeah, her her I'm with you. Ew, I mean, okay, so here is where I get stuck on the involvement of the stepdad, because I know that he's the last person to see her. He comes up time and time again. Obviously, mm -hmm. it's weird to be cooperative and then not be, but like, is it? It's not in ba a bad decision to decline a polygraph test or to get a lawyer. But No, that's what people <laughs> tell you to do. Get a lawyer. Absolutely. Don't take a polygraph test. Yeah. <laughs> to me, I'm like, right. So he's, you know, he got called back to the police or he had been talking to them for X amount of time, finally called the lawyer and the lawyer was like, oh, don't talk to them. Nope, you're done. Uh -huh. You've said all you need to say. And he's like, okay, my lawyer advises not to talk to you. But here's where I get stuck up on it because James, did he even know she was in town? He certainly did not know he was going to be taking her to the airport that day. He was called last minute to see if he could help out because her mom ended up having to work and mm -hmm. since they weren't married like I don't it never says if he even knew she was in town like I don't know if that's someone she would visit when she's back yeah it sounded like she was catching him up on a lot like when right. she first walked into the house like oh thanks for driving me for this one hour this is all the involvement mm -hmm. I'll have with you on my trip and that's totally that's fine for like your mm -hmm. former stepdad it's really nice if you if he'll help you out like that but yeah, what really gets me is that it would, if he were involved, it would have to be completely spur of the moment. Yes. Like, there's no way that could be premeditated. Something would have had to happen, most likely while they were driving, that made him, turned him from, like, oh, I'll be your, like, still a pretty okay stepdad, even when I divorced your mother, to I'm actually going to murder you on this drive to the airport. And I'm not saying... 
he's not involved because obviously I have no idea. But that's where I get hung up. And I'm like, well, what? What happened then? You know, how do we get from A to B? How do how does you not knowing your former stepdaughter is in town and you taking her to the airport turn into like you murdering her? Yeah, which is kind of why I go back to human trafficking because if her stepdad would, or if James Branton was already in trouble with debt or something else and she kind of just like fell into his lap on the day that he was having to deal with this. How would he have known to traffic her? Was he like, you know, I'll just call my friend Rick at work. I hear he's involved in human <laughs> trafficking. I bet I could offload a fucking 18 year old, 19 year old. 19. I don't, I don't get it. I feel like it's probably not a like, not a conversation that we would ever think would happen because our brains don't work like that. That's true. But like, that's a good thing. I need your money. <laughs> I'm bringing my stepdaughter to the airport. I can't get you your money today. Well, give me your stepdaughter instead. Oh, I don't. I don't know. Obviously, this is just throwing. What is the term? Throwing something up in the air. Like we're we have no idea. <laughs> something up in the air. <laughs> I was picturing us throwing rocks into the darkness, but that's not yes. a turn of phrase. But that's how <laughs> I'm picturing it. It is now. <laughs> yeah. we're throwing rocks into the darkness. <laughs> you kind of have to with this case, as you said. There's not a lot there's, to go off of. There's so little to go off of. I thought it was really interesting to think, to contemplate for a couple of days, like, well, maybe this happened. Well, maybe this, you know, like the more <laughs> I watched about it, the more I was like, well, you know, like, what if she was talking to somebody else? She, you know, she had was texting someone that we don't know is part of the story. And so she actually did ask James to drop her off at the mall. But he was mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, I'm just going to tell Lisa, that we're at the airport. I don't want her to worry. Yeah, I don't want to argue about it. Yeah. I don't want her to get mad at me. Mm hmm Yeah, it's like maybe I she did possible. request that. Maybe he, maybe he did help her to start a new life. I don't know how she would do that. Yeah, I have no idea. Like we were talking about earlier, oh, it's nice to have hope, but at the same time, like, how how would anyone completely disappear and start a new life successfully? Well, I'm always going to bring this up with these cases because I was talking to someone. I know I told you this, but I'm going to tell you again. <laughs> I was talking to somebody who I have known for years. She's in her 60s. She told, I said something about the podcast and she was like, oh, I disappeared when I was 17. What? And I was like, jaw drop, like, what? What? <laughs> you what and she said yeah she just like up and left and nobody ever found her she was gone for years and she said she didn't come back even when she wanted to because of the tremendous amount of guilt that she had that her wow. family was looking for her and so she stayed in this abusive and manipulative relationship until she got enough confidence to be like even though they spent thousands upon thousands of dollars looking for me and i just like walked away and like they're they might be really mad at me Wow. What year was this that she disappeared? This was in the 70s. Oh, that she wow. I think because I'm not good at math. <laughs> I won't make you Six do math. Now. Can we have her on the podcast? She was 17. She did not want to talk about it too much. Okay. Like she talked to, I have known her for years before she told me that. And I think it was when we were going, when we were researching the Bryce case that I mentioned something oh. about it. And she was like, oh yeah, I disappeared once. And I was like, what was she like smoking a cigarette and gazing off in the middle distance no oh, she was like months. still ashamed like she oh, still honey. felt guilty about it wow but, yeah and who is the girl who she used to play the harp she got taken from her window and she, she in utah i think 
Oh, smart. Elizabeth Smart? Elizabeth Smart. I didn't know she played the harp. Oh. She did. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I have like a mental image of her playing oh. the harp. She had said that she could have gotten away sooner, but she had so much guilt and shame about wow. having been taken and like not being this quote unquote perfect about daughter being anymore. being taken. Oh my gosh. Something that was completely out of her control. I know. Oh, that's so, so imagine sad. imagine if you willingly like walked off and then saw your family looking for you. Like, and we're like, oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, thanks for making a sad story even sadder. No, just kidding. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's possible that James would, I don't know. James might have just helped her connect with someone online. And when the police started getting involved, he got more freaked out and was like, ah, I'm just going to pretend like I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I did. I had two kind of things that I wanted to research a little bit for this episode. And I suppose I will just tell you about them as they're connected here. I wanted to see if it was like illegal to help a missing person. Like, Mm. can you... I don't know if the mm-hmm. term is to house them or, you know, like, sure. is that something you can speak about or you would get in trouble for doing? And obviously Googling, is it illegal to hide a missing person didn't really help me. But <laughs> it kind of seems like, and the cops had even said, you know, if he helped her disappear and she wanted to do that willingly, he could just tell us that and that would be the end of it. Or And mm-hmm. they had, or I heard other, you know, people that were involved say, you know, just have Caitlin reach out to us and confirm that, and then we can close the case. So it sounds sure. like, of course, she's allowed to go missing. You could just call the cops and be like, yo, I'm totally fine, actually. Uh, please tell them that you don't know anything at all. Like, they can't, I don't think they can even tell your family that they've spoken to you. Uh-huh. It seems convoluted there, but it like, they would close the case on their end. You know, they would know what happened. So it yeah. sounds like you could, he could have, in theory, told the police actually she she just wanted to disappear she didn't want to live the life she was living anymore she moved you know she's fine i don't know if they would believe that and be like okay we won't check up on that at all but (laughs) yeah and as i had kind of alluded to earlier like talking about if james were involved he couldn't have premeditated at all so i wanted to see what you know how common were crimes of passion versus premeditated murders Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it really led me down a dark path. I guess I shouldn't I be surprised. Uh, <laughs> I was surprised. And now speaking to you, I, I don't know why I am. So to talk about crimes of passion, first, let me define it for you. A crime of passion has two distinct parts. The crime must be committed immediately after the event that triggers the emotional outburst. And the victim must have been a part of that event or like the part of the catalyst event. So mm-hmm. it has to happen right away after someone, you know, is catches their lover cheating or whatever. And that uh-huh. person needs to be involved in the incident that led them to fly into a rage or whatever to okay. murder someone. So let's think, ugh, OJ comes up all the time. What a dick. But perfect, perfect example of that, right? You know, catches Nicole what he thinks is cheating and murders her and her quote-unquote lover which is actually a guy that she was kind of friends with who was doing a nice thing for her so reading a little bit further i couldn't find like a actual number of you know crimes of passion blank percent versus premeditated but it all the articles kind of devolved into how often women are killed by their spouses which is depressing it's 30 percent of women Whereas 5% of men are killed by either a spouse or a significant other. 
who right. are expanding not that category. Total, but thirty percent of murdered women. Right, right. Not thirty percent of women. Thirty percent of all <laughs> women murdered are murdered by their spouses. Thank you for yes. that clarification. I also read some other interesting stats about what this article called impulsive versus premeditated murder mm. and kind of how mental health plays into that. I thought it was really cool, even though it wasn't initially what I was looking for. Yeah. Compared to impulsive murderers, premeditated murderers are almost twice as likely to have a history of mood disorders or psychotic disorders. This is 61% versus 34%. Compared to predatory murderers, impulsive murderers are more likely to be developmentally disabled and have cognitive and intellectual impairments. And that's 59% versus 36%. And nearly all of the impulsive murderers have a history of alcohol or drug abuse and or were intoxicated at the time of the crime. An astonishing 93% versus 76% of those who strategized about their crimes. Hmm. I thought both of those numbers were super high. They are. 93% of people performing crime of passion murders are under the influence in whatever year this was. It was like 2015. It makes sense because... You're not thinking things through, like you're not thinking about consequences. Right. You're just acting emotionally. I thought that was so crazy. And to have 76% of people who strategized about it still were under the influence of alcohol or drugs. I, I yeah. thought that was so wild. But it's kind of it was interesting to really hammer down the differences between how those are defined and kind of put those into separate categories of mm -hmm. I flew into a rage and committed a murder or I planned this out for a long time and no matter what his involvement is, like James clearly didn't premeditate it. He had no right. time to plan it out. Sounds like he got a call 45 minutes beforehand and was like, well, I guess I could drop her off two hours early, three to four hours early. Yeah, there's so many missing pieces. I feel like all of the theories have breakdown points. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it doesn't fully make sense that that would be a logical theory. Oh, yeah. I mean, I even looked up okay, how many missing people just successfully walked off and started a mm -hmm. new life? You know, I, you know, I'm a numbers gal. I want percentages. Uh -huh. I want to know. And like, here's what I realized, Erin. There wouldn't be a list of those people if they successfully walked away. They successfully walked away. Because they did it. Yeah. Hmm. So <laughs> I will say it's got to be a lot harder there. with Facebook and just technology, facial recognition technology. Ooh, yeah. And all sorts of stuff. It's a lot harder to hide than it was like 10 years ago even. Oh, absolutely. And she left behind her ID, her debit card, her credit card. Which makes sense because those are all like traceable. But why leave your phone charger? Like you don't need a new right. phone charger when you start a new life. You don't need a new toothbrush <laughs> when you start a new life. Hmm. Very strange. Similar cases, definitely Maura Murray. A couple things that kind of piqued my attention with Maura Murray were the dad's strange involvement. I don't know if you remember Maura's case, but her dad was like kind of on the fringe. Stick a sock into your tailpipe. <laughs> like, he was there like the weekend or the weekend before she went missing and mm. or in the area when she went missing and her life was kind of falling apart. Like this young adult girl whose life is kind of she feels like she's just barely holding it together. And then cryptic messages to significant other during the yeah. time that I'm missing. Strange side of the road findings with no clues linking to what comes next. Oh, Those yeah. were all like Maura Murray's. And then Bryce mm -hmm. Laspecia. My favorite. 
Yes, your favorite case. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities. Randomly, another dead body of a person, similar age. Yeah, that's a weird description one. To find kind of a weird breakdown of t- the timeline, I feel like is a little bit similar with Bryce. Yeah, it all, it all goes to shit really fast. It, what got yeah. me were like the the setting up of the text messages for him like to make his mom believe uh, that he uh-huh. had gotten home after like his 90 minute drive. And yes. she, Caitlin had texted her mom after just the right amount of time it would have taken her and James to get to the airport. Allegedly, yes. she texted, Allegedly. you know. Oh, speaking of, I have a tiny Bryce update for you. Oh, really? There was a Bryce sighting in April of 2020. What? In, put it in my notes. It's at the top. in Austin? That's where the other one was. No, nope. This one was in California. It was actually in Sonora, California. It sounded like a relative of his had gotten a tip and then called in to say like, oh, I heard he was spotted here. So they like put out his flyers all over Sonora. They put it on the news. They like re-aired his story again. So I got super excited seeing it in the news. I mean, not even a year ago now. Yeah. Did anything come of it? Like, did anybody else confirm? I have seen somebody that looks like that. It was just like all the others where uh, a redheaded man is spotted and someone calls and they go to the scene and never find said person. Uh. I know. So sad. But yeah, this case definitely, it ties in with a lot of others in weird ways that... I don't know. It seems to be like a young adults going missing. Could they have done it of their own accord? Also, how would they have done it of their own accord? I would think that like a 30s, 40s, 50s person would have a lot better luck disappearing. They're all very intelligent. Like they all are like super smart young adults, hmm. which I feel like is strange. Yeah, that's Not true. Mara was in West Point. more likely to be able to leave, but... I mean, it would help. It would help. It sure would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. I don't know. It seems it seems to me almost too optimistic to say that Caitlin did that, or that Bryce did that, or that Mara Murray did that, or that all three of them pulled it off. Oh, I'm totally clinging to that. They're all like partying right now, skiing oh. in Colorado. Man. <laughs> they're on the island of missing people. They're lost. Lost. Oh, they're they're on that island. <laughs> oh man so i don't know that's kind of it's such a hands up in the air case i guess if you know anything spotsylvania county crime watch is 1-800-928-5822 with any information you might have about caitlin or previous information they're looking for tips of things about caitlin before she went missing they're open to that stuff too i guess that's it for now so who will we be researching for next month Oh, next month, I got a good one for you. It's a case that has piqued my interest ever since I heard about it after it happened in 2018. It is the very suspicious death of Tamla Hornsford. Tamla was a mother of five who was attending a, a party with some of her friends and allegedly fell off a balcony to her death hmm. during the party. And it kind of ties in a little bit with um, when we talked about Kendrick uh, last month and all of the horribly racist things that go on in Georgia. We're going back to Georgia Georgia? for another Uh. weirdly racist case. Maybe. Definitely another suspicious death in Georgia. Another suspicious death. Sorry to bring two at you. so sweet. Isn't she adorable? Yeah. 
It's very, very interesting. I look forward to hearing your take on it. I also look forward to researching it more because I'd only heard a little bit about it and it re- it has stuck with me ever since. Aww. So I can't wait to dig deeper. Yeah, just my like preliminary. This always happens. You tell me a name. <laughs> it does. And, oh. I okay, love it. And then there's like 30 talking, seconds I'm of just silence. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep, there's, there's always a fair amount of silence after I give you a name and then you're like, oh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's how I know I picked a good one. So I take it as My a compliment. Mm-hmm. No apologies needed. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us while we talked about Caitlin. Hopefully it piqued your interest as well. And we'll have an- yeah. yet another person with the Google search alert for anything about her case. It's true. And always we do this to keep her case alive because that's our best chance at finding Caitlin is to keep her story going. Yep. We're just going to so, keep talking about it. Hope you guys will keep researching it. And we're so glad yeah. you could come sit with us. See you next yeah, month. Thank you. Snow day tomorrow at school. All right. Hey. <laughs> Wait, who's going to school? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. (laughs) It's still exciting.